It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know what's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, courtesy of The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. It's a great mix of national voices that you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sandell, Mike Lombardi, the late, great Don Banks, or for The Athletic, too, and awesome local writers. In fact, one of my buddies, Harif Hassan, covers the Vikings, and I was just reading an awesome article that he wrote about this critical offseason for the Vikings. So if you're somebody that likes coverage of your own team, Great, plenty of that, but if you're somebody that likes coverage of other teams like I do, you can get tons of great writers that cover teams besides your own, and as I said, great national writers too. And here's the best part, not only do you get first-rate reporting, but you get all kinds of great analysis, advanced analytics, in-depth player profiles, and more, and it's completely ad-free, no clickbait, just great content. Pro sports, college sports, The Athletic has it all. So if you're not subscribing yet, you're really missing out. Want to get in on the action? I got a great deal for you. Just for being a Play Like a Jet listener, you can go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and you'll get yourself 40% off a year subscription. 40%, that's a lot. Go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and get all of this fantastic sports coverage in The Athletic for 40% off today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's part two of the weekend mailbag, so that means we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Ryan O'Keefe. He says, how would you feel about the Jets trading their third rounder to Pittsburgh for Juju Smith-Schuster? I think the fan base there has started to turn on him a little bit, and he already has a connection with Darnold. This is more of a scenario to consider if Robbie Anderson leaves. I got to be honest with you, unless you're hearing something that I'm not, I have no reason to think that the Steelers would trade Juju Smith-Schuster, and they certainly wouldn't do it for a third. If you could get him for a third, of course, he's one of the best young wide receivers in the game. The downside, of course, is that you're going to have to pay him, but I can't imagine that Pittsburgh is ready to ship out Juju Smith-Schuster. So to answer your question, i jump at the chance to get him for a third, but I don't think there's any chance that actually happens. Yeah, I mean, I'd do it in a heartbeat, uh, but there's no way that that's happening. I don't think Pittsburgh has any interest in trading Juju. We know uh, Pittsburgh and the, and what they like to do and want to do. And while I might may think that Big Ben is is washed and done, uh, I don't think they're ready to uh, go with that. Um, and if they were to trade Juju, they're trading him for uh, they're holding out for a lot more than a third round pick. 
uh, you're not getting Juju for for that cheap. Not even after his disappointing season last year, a lot of that was injury related. And then uh, Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph playing quarterback for him. So um, Juju's going to cost a lot more than the third. Next question comes in from James Ash. He says, there's lots of negativity surrounding Gase heading into the offseason, mostly from Jets fans on Twitter, but also from beat reporters and some of his former players. How will that impact Douglas's ability to recruit free agents? Well, first of all, I would say there's only two beat writers that are actually negative on Gase right now. One of them is joining me on the podcast as we speak. That's Chris. The other is Manish. And the rest of the beat, as far as I can tell, is at most neutral and at worst, well, you can make your own conclusions about who's talking about what in terms of Gase. But as far as how it will impact Douglas's pursuit of free agents, I think that it could hurt on the margins. In other words, if you've got a guy that has multiple options and can get his money from anywhere, it certainly could scare him off, especially if he's an offensive player. But remember, some of this is going to come down to Frank Pollock. Some of it is going to come down to what they feel about the specific assistance. So for instance, if we're talking about a defensive player, if that guy wants to play for Greg Williams, it might not matter to him about Gase. It's really hard to say. I'll put it this way. It may not hurt, it may, but it definitely isn't going to help. I don't think Adam Gase is going to be a recruiting tool. He may be a deterrent to some degree, but he's definitely not going to help. I'll put it that way. That's the easiest way that I can say that. Yeah, it's going to be a case-by-case basis. Um, It's not going to have – I don't think it would have any impact at all when uh, we're talking about a defensive player. I think any defensive player is going to want to come play for Greg and you're going to, as long as the money's right, they're going to be all for it. I don't think that's going to really uh, be a big thing. Maybe there will be a uh, personality or two on the defensive side that might want, not want to, or maybe they saw, you know, a lot of the stuff with the injuries or the fines being posted, that type of stuff. But for the most part, I don't think it'd have any effect on defensive free agents. Offensive free agents, <clears throat> again, let's say they trade Le'Veon Bell. I could see every single running back being like, ah, I don't know about going to play for Adam Gase right now. I could see uh, wide receivers doing that. Now, again, Albert Wilson, he's going to have the opposite reaction. He'd probably want to come back and play with uh, Adam Gase again. Um, of course, you'd hope that he'd be recruiting a, a higher caliber uh, player. And, and I like Albert Wilson, but uh, you'd, you'd want that more. But, um, you know, like I know, and this isn't somebody that I think the Jets should go after because of his age at this point and where they are, uh, how much money he's going to get. But someone like Emmanuel Sanders, uh, I, I can't imagine Emmanuel Sanders is going to look at the Jets and want to go play for Adam Gase and the twilight of his, his career. Um, maybe offensive linemen will have second guesses. We are. We saw that tweet from Kelvin Beecham a couple weeks ago. Sounds like there's one one former player that they might have trouble re-signing because of Adam Gase. Um, so it's going to be a case by case basis. And but you're right. It's going to come down to the margins here. If everything's close, then they'll probably want to go in another direction. But even Beecham, if the Jets are $2 million more than any other offer, Beecham's probably going to be willing to come back. That The money's almost always going to win in free agency. 
Next question comes in from Joe Heldman. He says, so the Jets have Quinn and Williams, Foley Fadakasi, Steve McClendon, and Kyle Phillips. They could sign Yannick Ngakwe and draft the pass rusher from LSU. Full disclosure, I can't pronounce his name yet. Eventually, I'll get it down, but until I do, I don't want to start saying his name incorrectly, so I'll just refer to him as the pass rusher from LSU for now. The Jets trade Avery Williamson and Henry Anderson. Why not go to a 4-3? So we've talked about this before. There's not really 4-3-3-4 anymore. You might get a situation where you have more 4-3 than 3-4 or more 3-4 than 4-3. But most defensive coordinators mix and match now. But your point does make sense. I don't think it's crazy to maybe switch to a base 4-3 if they were to make the moves that you just said. But remember, those moves are not guaranteed at all. You're talking about picking an edge rusher at number 11. That may or may not happen. You're talking about signing Yannick Ngakwe. I doubt that happens. I'd love to see it, but I don't think it's that likely. Then you'd have to trade Avery Williamson and Henry Anderson. I don't know that you're going to be able to find any takers considering that Avery's got a high cap hit and coming off a major injury. And Henry Anderson makes a significant chunk of change, even though he really wasn't that great last year and he's only a fit in certain systems. So if it played out the way that you said, I could see them doing it. But I don't necessarily know that it's going to end up that way because it would require a lot of moves that are certainly far from a sure thing. Yeah, the, the pro- biggest problem with that is the trading Avery Williamson and Henry Anderson. And it's not like I'm saying you can't trade them. It's what are you getting in return for them? I can't imagine you getting anything better than a fifth-round pick at most, and even that seems to be a stretch. Um, I, I just – it doesn't make sense from a value standpoint. I think they have more value on this team going forward. Uh on the team than trading away for a sixth-round draft pick. Um, also, I, I do think that they want to kind of, as you're completely right, obviously, about no strict 4-3-4, four, three, four, uh, three, four. but with Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley, I think they want to be in 3-4 a little more often and make use of that. I know we all got excited about Blake Cashman, in uh, preseason and the start of the season, and he had the injury and he started to struggle. So they don't have a lot of depth there. Um, and again, just trading Avery Williamson just for a six-round pick, I don't, I don't know how much that does for you. So that, that's the biggest flaw in that plan. But, you know, if you could somehow get a decent return on them, then I'm all for that. I just don't think the return is worth it. We should probably talk about the LSU pass rusher here for a second, Chris, only because Daniel Jeremiah's first mock draft came out, and it has the Jets picking him at number 11. It has four offensive tackles going in the top 10. The three that we expected, which would be Andrew Thomas of Georgia, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa, and Jedrick Wills of Alabama, but also the guy that I really like, Makai Becton, going all the way at number four to the New York Giants, which... I think actually makes some sense because he's exactly what Dave Gettleman likes, a mauler in the run game, although he really improved his pass protection in 2019. So if it plays out like that and the Jets end up getting an edge rusher, I think a lot of people are going to be very upset, especially since in this particular mock draft, you would have Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb still sitting on the board. 
I can live with it though, especially depending on what happens in free agency. I think if Joe Douglas determines that this kid is an elite edge rusher and he wants him in that defense, he's still got four picks in the next couple of rounds where he can go offense, particularly to fix the offensive line, but also to get a receiver in a very deep receiver draft. I don't think that the edge rusher class is anywhere near as deep. It was much deeper last year and they desperately need an edge rusher. And listen, we saw what happened with San Francisco this year. You threw Bosa and D Ford in there to mix with Armstead and Buckner and all of a sudden they became an elite defense. So I think if you added a really strong edge rusher to to this defense along with a healthy Mosley and a healthy Williamson they have a chance to be one of the league's best defenses so I wouldn't be against it I know it wouldn't be popular but I wouldn't be against it yeah so the other day I was casually strolling through Twitter I saw Jeremiah's Bach uh and I almost launched my phone into the sun um I don't care about defense at all this this next season is not about winning games it's about saving Sam Darnold. Going into year three, this is a huge year for Darnold, and it everything possible needs to be done to build around him, to get him protection, to get him weapons. I am not spending another first-round pick on the defense. It's not happening. I'm not doing it. Everything goes to Darnold. I don't, I'm taking a wide receiver. I'm trading down. I'm gathering more picks to take more offensive linemen. I am not spending a first round pick on defense. Uh, I'm just, I'm just not doing it. It needs to be about Darnold. I don't care about the win loss record. I don't care about that. I need an offense around Darnold. I need Darnold to be able to take that leap going into next year because if we have another year of excuses, another year with a poor offensive line, another year where he doesn't have enough weapons, <clears throat> I don't know that he's going to be able to – it's only so long that he can go with that before he's actually able to recover and come back from it. I, this needs to be the year, and I'm putting all my draft resources early – into the offense. You want to go ahead and spend money on a Yannick Ngakwe. Cool. I'm good with spending money in free agency on defense. But early draft, everything has to go offense for me. It has to. It has to. It has to. It has to. It doesn't. And you're wrong about that, Chris. And I disagree completely. I'm with you when it comes to ideally, that's what you would want to do. So as I've said many times, if it were me, if I'm sitting at number 11 if one of those four offensive linemen are on the board, I would pick them. And if not, if you get to number nine and there's only one of them left, I would jump the Browns and I would grab the offensive lineman that's left. However, I also think that a lot of Jets fans have forgotten, and a big part of this is because of how poorly the team has drafted over the years, that you can get impactful players beyond round one. The idea that it has to happen in round one is just faulty. Numerous teams get impactful players on the offensive side of the ball after round one. There's no reason to think that the Jets couldn't do that, especially with four pretty high picks in the next four rounds. I'm not against necessarily trading down, and I'm not necessarily against Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb at that pick, but 
I also think that getting a top-notch edge rusher is more important for the long-term health of the team. And on top of that, I think it's a lot harder to come by than getting a wide receiver. And in this draft, you can get a wide receiver in the second round easily. There are a ton of great ones. So my preference absolutely would be to get one of those offensive linemen. And I wouldn't be against trading up to do it or trading back if those offensive linemen aren't on the board. But if you're sitting at 11 and there aren't great offers coming and your choice is between an edge rusher that you really love or some wide receivers that you think are going to be really good, I would have no problem going with the edge rusher. Now, to be fair, I also wouldn't cry about it if they grabbed one of the receivers. I'm good with Ruggs. I'm good with Judy. I'm good with CeeDee Lamb. Whoever they decide, fine. I'm just saying that unlike you, I'm not one of these offense or bust types. I think that if there's an awesome edge rusher that Joe Douglas really loves and thinks could be the Nick Bosa of this defense, so to speak, I wouldn't completely be against it. That's where you and I are going to differ. I think that the people that are just saying it has to be offense no matter what, you're also disregarding what may or may not happen in free agency and the other four picks that the Jets have because theoretically you could grab the edge rusher there and then the other four picks you go offensive line and wide receiver. So that's all I'm saying. We don't know exactly what Joe Douglas' strategy is going to be, but if he sees that edge rusher from LSU and loves him and absolutely wants to have him can considering who's on the board at that particular point in time, I wouldn't completely be against it on its face. Yeah. I, again, I would, I, I'm, I don't, it's, it has to be all about Darnold. This that's the next se- season. That's it. I said this going into last year and then obviously the mono part played a part in it too, but we saw what happened this year be, uh, with it. And, I, I need o- offensive weapons around him, and I'm not passing on uh, Jerry Judy or uh, C.D. Lamb or Henry Ruggs to get an edge rusher. I just I don't care about the defense for this year. I just don't. They're not building a team for this year. They're building a team for the long term, and that's what you have to consider. And you like need, I said, I you think you need Darnold to be the quarterback. Sure, if, if, but if, if Darnold's going to be a successful quarterback, he has to have a successful team around him. And my point is, it's not just about the eleventh pick, Chris. If you were to tell me that the eleventh pick is the only one that's going to be productive, fine. But I'm saying I believe that Joe Douglas can find productive players with those other picks in the other rounds, especially at wide receiver, where it's a very deep class. I don't think it's anywhere near as deep of a class at edge rusher so I'm not saying that I would 100% go edge rusher I'm just saying I could 100% see the logic if Joe Douglas really likes the guy if he went with the edge rusher over the wide receiver that's all I'm just saying I disagree with your philosophy of every single pick has to be offense and you can't care about the defense at all I'm not saying pick another interior defensive lineman I'm not saying pick an inside linebacker I'm just saying if there's an edge rusher there that Joe Douglas thinks could be one of the key pieces for this team over the next five to ten years and he likes him better than going for one of the receivers and thinks that he can get a really impactful receiver later on in the second or third round I could see why he would do that so we have a difference in philosophy and that's okay that's what makes the world go around we don't have to agree on this there are going to be plenty of things that we disagree on including pizza we've disagreed on pizza many times Chris and yet here we are still the best of friends right Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I just let me say, just add this because, of course, you're right. They could take uh, uh, the edge rusher at 11 and then hit on all the other picks later. But 
I, I can't have faith in anybody hitting on all the picks. So I want to maximize all of this. I want all those picks in the first four rounds to be offense, to maximize the potential there because at least one of them isn't going to hit. And then if one of them doesn't hit and then the you get the edge rusher with another, then you only have three players. And we're not talking about a team that just needs one or two offensive pieces, especially if they trade Le'Veon Bell and let Ray, Robbie Anderson walk. Then all of a sudden we're talking about a team that needs a whole new offensive line, a whole new receiving core, and a running back. Uh, I'm, there's too many holes in this offense for me to be spending a top pick on an edge rusher I get it I'm just saying number one we don't know what's going to happen in free agency yet so we have to see what the story is after that concludes and also if you look at the 49ers a big part of their success was that front and the Jets are one big piece away from making that an elite front and that one big piece is an edge rusher so all I'm saying is as much as I agree with the overall philosophy that they need to spend more resources on offense and defense, depending on the situation, I could see picking the edge rusher if he feels that it's an edge rusher that's really going to make a big difference. They do have four other picks that they can use to try and add impact pieces on offense. And as I said, we don't know how free agency is going to play out yet. So we'll see how this all goes down. But like I said, I'm not going to say that I'm blanketly against picking an edge rusher at number 11. I think there's a scenario where it could be acceptable and like i said we disagree on that and that's totally okay while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep sunday scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners bo schmidt and mike sill they operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, we've got a ton more questions, but before we get to our next one, I just want to tell you about the people at Simply Safe. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime, and that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you when anyone's approaching your home. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard the inside. And Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning with 24 hour a day, seven day a week monitoring by live security professionals. Protect your home with Simply Safe. Go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today and get free shipping on your order plus a 60 day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. Simplysafe.com slash overtime. Next question comes in from Michael. He says, What do you say about skipping past re signing Robbie Anderson and using that money for offensive line help? Isn't spending on a veteran and solid offensive line and mid tier wide receiver a better choice than spending 15 and counting on rookie offensive linemen to step in, especially in light of this being a deep wide receiver class. Here's the issue. I think even if you re-sign Robbie Anderson, you still need another wide receiver. If you let Robbie Anderson go, now you've put yourself in a position where, like Chris was just saying before, you have to get a high-impact wide receiver right away. And the problem with receivers is sometimes it takes them a while to really heat up. A lot of times they don't start to really produce for half a season This is a pivotal season three for Sam Darnold. So do we know for sure that Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb comes in and is an impactful receiver from day one? Maybe it takes them a bit. And then it's kind of like Christopher Herndon where you're looking towards the following year because they had a really strong finish. You want somebody that can give you something from day one. We know that Crowder is a really good slot receiver, but if Robbie Anderson leaves, what do you have? And the problem is if you look around at the other guys that are available, unless Amari Cooper shakes free, that's a different discussion. If you want to tell me that instead of re-signing Robbie Anderson, you're going to go get Amari Cooper, fine. I'm all on board with that, but I don't think that's going to happen. So... If that doesn't happen, I don't know where you go if you let Robbie Anderson walk. And on top of that, I don't see why you can't get offensive linemen and still retain Robbie Anderson. Now, listen, you're not going to go out there and get Brandon Scherf and Jack Conklin and all these other guys and still get Robbie Anderson too. But I also think it's unrealistic to think you're going to land all these great offensive linemen. So I think that Robbie is a guy that you absolutely should target to bring back. There's got to be a breaking point in terms of how much money you're going to give him. The only way I would pay him $15 million is if it's on a one-year transition tag tender. But other than that, I'd be looking to give him no more than, say, $13 million a year. You give him a significant number of guaranteed dollars. And so 15 might be a little rich for my blood if we're talking about a long-term contract, but I absolutely think they need to spend a significant amount of money to try and retain Robbie Anderson because, Chris, like you said, they need offensive weapons, and the last thing you want to do is go into the draft 
desperate at that position. It's one thing if you've got Robbie Anderson or somebody else and you can go in and say, okay, you need another weapon for Sam Darnold, and then now you can go into round two or round three. But otherwise, if you lose Robbie Anderson and all you've got is Jamison Crowder, you go into this draft thinking that you've got to come away with a wide receiver day one, and you never want to put yourself in that position because it makes you very weak and very desperate, and that is absolutely the worst thing that you can be when you head into the NFL draft. Yeah, and you know, this is another one. The plan sounds great in theory, and in and, and theory, I'm, I'm all for it, but there's, there's no receiver to replace Robbie with in free agency. Like you said, Amari Cooper's not going to shake free. Um, you don't want AJ Green at this point. Uh, like the best you're going to do is is uh, an Albert Wilson range, and then that means that you're going to be counting on again in year three of Sam Darnold. You're going to be counting on one or two rookies to be able to be ready right from the jump, and that's just re- unrealistic. Even if we're talking about CD Lamb and Jerry Judy, it's entirely possible that they'll be ready from day one because they are that good. But you can't bank on it and again this is such a critical year for Donald and his development I'm not willing to roll the dice on having two rookie receivers as the starters uh and if you have to do that then that means that you're probably passing on an offensive lineman that you would like where so you get rid of Robbie you have to now go get two at least two receivers which might make you have to pass on an offensive lineman. It, there's just a, a domino situation here. One thing falling after another, making it more and more difficult. Getting rid of Robbie makes everything more complicated. And I get the price tag thing, but I'm going to say this again. You Even if you paid him 15, yeah, that's a little, that's a little too much right now. In two years, 15 million isn't going to look bad. Um, the cap is going to go up. They can do enough with the cap space that they're got, not going to be super pressed against it. Um, and in a couple years, that 15 isn't going to look bad. The cap's going to keep going up. Contracts are going to keep going up. So I'm not too overly concerned about that. Obviously, I'd be trying to pay as little as possible um, and probably wouldn't go uh, quite that high. But I just think there needs to be continuity for Darnold. This is such a huge year for him, and I just can't go into next season with him and Jamison Crowder and a bunch of unknowns. I just can't do it. I'm loving the idea of transition tagging Robbie Anderson now because worst case scenario, you get him one year, $15 million, but really what you're doing is letting other teams set the market for you. So that's what I would do. The franchise tag is a little too much. I think it would require $19 million. That's way more than I'd be willing to give, but I think one year, $15 million is a decent compromise, worst case scenario, but I like the idea of letting some other teams set the market for Robbie Anderson. So I'm hoping that the Jets transition tag him let me just add this because i have seen this a bunch on twitter where people like tweet out robbie's stats and they're like it's not worth this robbie's stats would be exponentially better if they could have gotten them the ball downfield early in the season you can't look at stats because he was getting open all season he was getting open last year that they couldn't always get it to him Early in the season, they were he was all over the place, wide open. They just didn't have the time, or Luke Falk couldn't get the ball down to the field for him. He has done his job. He has played well beyond what his stats show. 
It wasn't just early right. in the season, by the way, Chris. This was all year. And Michael Nania has talked about this. He looked back at every single play with Robbie. Robbie was open a ton down the field all year long. And Sam Darnold didn't have the time to get it to him. So if you can improve that offensive line and give Darnold a little more time to throw, and if Gase would stop being stubborn and design some plays to go down the field to Robbie, you could see some big-time results. So you can't just go based on stats. And for the people that are saying, how could you pay Robbie? Robbie Anderson, $13 million a year. Look at the receivers that are getting paid that much. Contract inflation. You got to go back and look at when these contracts were signed. The cap goes up. The contracts go up. Tyrell Williams got $11 million a year. I think that Robbie's right around Tyrell Williams, maybe a little better, maybe a little worse, depending on your vantage point. But he's certainly going to get more than Tyrell Williams. So I don't see why giving him a million or two a year more than Tyrell Williams is somehow a terrible thing to do. That's just how these NFL contracts work. I'm not talking about giving him $15 million a year. Someone wants to do that. That's a whole other discussion. But if he's going to get a little bit more than Tyrell Williams, that seems fair to me. That's going to wrap things up for part two of the mailbag. Don't forget to follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And if you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review yet on iTunes, really appreciate it if you could do that for us. It's an easy way to help out the show. It doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money. But it goes a long way in helping this show. So if you could do that for us, we'd be grateful. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the 2020 Offseason Roundtable. Don't forget to listen to the shows that we've done over the past week, including Live from the Senior Bowl with Clayton Smarslock, Randy Lang from NewYorkJets.com coming on to talk about Winston Hill getting into the Hall of Fame, as well as reasons for Jets fans to be optimistic in the year 2020. Midweek with Manish covering part two of our look back at the Rex Ryan era, including who Rex Ryan's first choice was to be the Jets quarterback in 2009. Hint, it wasn't Mark Sanchez. If you want to find out who it was, give the show a listen. And part one of the Sam Darnold Project with Michael Nania breaking down the first three games of Sam Darnold's career and explaining exactly how he graded those games. He watched every single play and has a very clear system, very transparent, unlike PFF. So go ahead and check that out as well. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.